spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX. And today I'm extremely excited to be joined by political analyst Oliver Dixon. We talk about everything from the ongoing battle inside the ANC to the State Capture Commission, whose testimony is coming to a close soon. And we also speak about what alternatives to South Africa's current political situation might present themselves in the years to come. If you're new around here, my name is Dr. Cesar Mboffer-Walsh. On this channel, the Cesar Mboffer-Walsh Experience, we explore South African politics through interviews and analysis. So, let's get started. Aye, aye. So fam, here we are with uh, Oliver Dixon. Oliver, thanks so much for joining us on SMWX. You've been a popular request on social media, so here we go. <laughs> Good to know that I've been requested. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do, uh, you thanks have, for like, a me, man. Do you have like a bot army working, like sending me tweets, like you must get Oliver Dixon on? <laughs> um, I, I wish those people would request for me to get like a, a big TV show or a big radio show, <laughs> but no, I don't, unfortunately. I suspect I suspect that's coming to you sometime soon, bro. Um, so, uh, we have a lot we have a lot to to sink our teeth into. I want to start with this battle uh, raging within the ANC. The step aside question is going to court soon. It turns out it's been postponed until the end of the month, I think, or at least the parties have agreed that it will be in court towards the end of the month. But um, you've you've really made waves yeah. with your analysis on this particular issue. Um, where do you see the state of play with the battle inside the ANC around the step aside resolution at the moment? Um, interest, a lot of interesting and unprecedented things happened um, playing out in this. Firstly, a top six member being forced to step aside while being suspended. Um, that is obviously unprecedented. The ruling party, um, you know, publishing the list of its uh, legal team like it's a, a, a mixtape track list is also unprecedented, <laughs> uh, hoping that they can have higher ratings on it. It's just like, that's weird. And this is also from a party like a that has no money to pay salaries. <laughs> exactly exactly it's like low ways dropping you know uh, and it's also from a party tracks. that has no money yeah it's no <laughs> 75 tracks no money but they can afford firm trend growth obviously then it means that Soro Ramaphosa is, 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 is again uh, bankrolling this out of his own pocket um, so this so it's safe to say he's personally invested in this um, but it, it, it obviously will become a very, very critical point of this. In my initial analysis around this when it happened and when Ace Marashule refused to step it down and then Ace Marashule did that incredibly weird interview on SABC News that lasted three hours and nothing was said in it. Um, and he did a bunch of, he spoke at a bunch of rallies, which is already in contravention of his um, uh, suspension conditions. But I guess he doesn't recognize the suspension. And therefore, he doesn't think he's in contravention of those suspension conditions. Um, so he just goes ahead and does these things. But in my initial analysis, what I had thought what was happening was that Ace Barashila was trying to raise the temperature in the room. Um, also then trying to suspend Sarah Ramaphosa, accusing him of some things, uh, going on to that interview and then making a lot more accusations, saying that, no, I'll give you the evidence and of, of this like afterwards. We're a month further into this and... A lot of those accusations are still just that, accusations with no evidence published by the media house in question. Um, I thought, hey, this guy's trying to raise the temperature so that um, 
the, the, the fight becomes a lot more toxic and that those who truly care for the, for the party and think that this is a brittle moment for the party would ask them both to uh, back down and ask for some sort of political compromise because the ANC has been solving its problems through political compromises, thus not solving its problems for a very long time. And if that compromise were to come about, what we would then see is uh, Ace Marashule and not being suspended because that would be the party meeting him halfway. Cyril Ramaphosa not being suspended because that would the, be the party meeting him halfway um, and uh, things would just carry on as usual. But I'm, now I'm not so sure that that, is a, that was Ace's thinking, right? Um, I think Ace's thinking was a lot more ambitious than that. I thought Ace thought that through his suspension of his counter suspension of the president, um, that uh, he would have so many people rally behind that, that the president would indeed be forced to step down. No one took it serious. Not even our fragile Rand took that serious. I thought, hey, we would see a drastic <laughs> shift in this. Nothing. Um, and that just goes to show that there's a, d a dwindling power in Ace's source of power in his power base um, and that he's increasingly being pushed um, into into the uh, closer to the circumference of the party and less towards the center of power. So you had an interesting um, thought on uh, an interview that you did on ENCA where you said that often when ANC internal battles loom, it looks like the person who's closest to the president or who's closest to contesting the president at a previous uh, conference or battle will succeed. But often it's a, someone or a group which emerges from the dominant faction, which rises to challenge the, the incumbent, in this case, Ramaphosa. And you were saying that we may actually see someone from within the grouping that's currently within Ramaphosa's power base rising to challenge him. Uh, has anything changed since you said that? Or do you still think that we probably will see uh, a Mabuza or a Mashadile um, being Ramaphosa's closest rival uh, as we go to 2022? Absolutely. I, still, I, I definitely still think that you're likely to see a Mabuza or Mashadile rise or somebody rising on the back of their work. Um, it may not be exactly them uh, in the way that they delivered Ramaphosa, but definitely it is from that power base that I think um, we will see the emergence of a new president in the party. Um, and typically, you know, it just doesn't happen in the first term of, of, a, of a leader of the party. It happens in the second term uh, because they recognize that uh, in the first term, the president just has way too much power. Um, uh, and, and, you know, they, they would likely be unsuccessful. But of course, depending on how ambitious Paul Mashatil and David Mabuza is, it might happen this time around. It's safe to say that Cyril Ramaphosa would not have become president without Paul Mashatile's um, help, would not have become, in fact, only became president at the 11th hour because of uh, what David Mabuza did uh, the night before voting uh, at gate six at Nazrek in Soweto, right? Uh, it's it's yeah. and, and only then went and said to his delegates, <laughs> uh, from unity we're going to CR17, and 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 that's that's how Sarolamaposa became um, president with a narrow victory over there. So it's it's still likely to be the case. Um, I th a couple of interesting things happening. Um, obviously, Linda Wesisulu is doing her bidding. Um, she's likely to receive the support of the Women's League. The, uh, the Women's League itself is not a, 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 monol a monolithic power base. It is itself fractured and, 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 and uh, split along provincial lines, provincial factional lines, and national factional lines. 
um, and uh, she has some of that support. I think Ace Mahashule has some of that support. Um, and obviously a lot more people will show their chest and their, t uh, their cards uh, closer to, to, to the elective conference. We're what, a year and four, five months away from it. This is the start of June, so we're a year and uh, five months away from the elective conference actually taking place. A lot going to happen. Uh, some early contenders being neutralized already, as we've uh, been seeing with uh, our Minister of Health, uh, Zwilim Kize. Um, digital vibes digital vibes <laughs> early neutralization happening in the instance of uh, uh, uh david uh, sorry mr mr zuelim kize minister zuelim kize who was a contender in the election the last time around right fell out from the race i think a month uh, before the elective conference after the dinner uh, with uh, the seven contestants at uh, jacob zuma's uh, house in Nganda. And he might, I, I thought that was the end of Zuelim Kiza, right? Uh, politically, at least, I think he's, he's aged out, he's reached his twilight of his political career. But I think COVID resuscitated him, gave him a national platform. And if you remember in the early days of the lockdown, um, people saying, oh, he looks and sounds so presidential. And I mean, having having the, uh, the cosign of reputable, non-political uh, central figures in the country around you at that time, like um, uh, Dr. Karim, uh, Abdul um, and, and, and various other advisors in his ministerial council, um, you would think that this is a guy who's now earned the respect and the reverence of the country. And off of that, he may have thought, hmm, maybe I do stand a chance. Maybe I should try this again. And that might have been. And if the Daily Maverick expose is anything to believe, uh, this is this is money being looted uh, around a hundred million rand in, in in total, eighty five million here and some there and some there, uh, and that's what we know of. It's if that expose is to be true, it's clear then that Minister Zuelim Kiza was busy setting up a war chest uh, going into twenty twenty two because it's only through money really that you can ascend to power in the ANC, um, and it would be interesting to see. Um, who else has, has been sort of putting together some sort of war chest? Paul Mashatila certainly has been putting together some sort of war chest with his association with Edwin Saudi, for instance, uh, giving him some sort of political protection um, and, and, and being a close friend and ally to him in that instance. Um, and that's a, 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 fr a friendship that's long been in the building. Um, and um, off of that power base, you would see uh, the rise of, of other influential figures like Nomvula Mukonyane now having to decide, do I go with the Mashadile faction? Do I go with the Mahashule faction? Um, or do I just stay out of it? And she too is a ground force that you need to take serious as far as Gauteng politics are concerned and its transcendence into national politics. Uh, so a lot is at play as far as um, where, where the power base will come from in the next election. But as far as I see it, Ramaphosa, I would say, right now, it would be safe to say, stands a 60% chance of being re-elected. Hmm. That's, that's interesting and, and, a, and a very insightful take on, on the battles that are bubbling at the moment. Um, and you mentioned President Ramaphosa, and he was actually uh, scheduled to be at the State Capture Commission on the day that we're filming this, but uh, magically... Uh, he and Zondo found a way to postpone. Um, not not too much rumbling about that. I don't know how the president just somehow gets away with just delaying things um, like he did the first time as well. But the State Capture Commission will end on, uh, according to um, a recent press release from Zondo, on Ramaphosa's oral testimony. What do you uh, see as we build up to that important moment in our country's history, but also in these 
political battles. What do you see the importance of that moment uh, being for Ramaphosa? Do you think that's something that could undermine him significantly on the way to 2022? Or do you think it'll be something um, which he'll be able to pivot from and even strengthen his hand from? Um, if Ramaphosa's last appearance at the commission is anything to go by, he will once again sit before Zondo and receive him a massive national platform to canvas his own personal brand on because that's how softball the uh, the commission was to him the last time around and not to say that important things weren't being done and spoken about certainly is the case it's it's important that as a country we speak about the ANC's uh, uh, deployment committee it's it's not a Mickey Mouse platform it is a massive platform that has massive sway that determines who actors in our state will be uh, crucial actors and so that conversation was obviously necessary and important but the hard questions just weren't asked like advocate pretoria speaks to president ramaphosa and says well uh, there's so many is uh, state-owned enterprise ceos that i wanted to talk about but it would be too long to enumerate them all so uh, we're just going to skip by that i'm like what <laughs> no he needs to tell us, did the ANC's deployment committee have a conversation about Brian Mulife becoming uh, the chairperson, uh, becoming the CEO of ESCOM and Transnet at different times or not? What was mm -hmm. the conversation? What did you say in that deployment meeting? Um, and what was the, 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 the conclusion thereof? Did the deployment committee ever come back and say, hey, look, we might have to reconsider this decision we made and lobby for the state to remove this guy or lobby for the board of this uh, respective uh, state on enterprise to remove this guy? He just flew over that and pretended as though Ramaphosa wasn't in the meetings and took it um, for his word that the ANC deployment committee never superimposed itself onto the state. Um, and, and Justice Zondo, Deputy Chief Justice Zondo did at, at, at multiple points try to poke at that and ask the question, did this ANC deployment committee superimpose itself onto the state? And when he was supposed to ask the really, really hard question about, for instance, what is the success rate of the deployment committee's lobby work to getting certain people appointed um, in, in the state? And if, if the answer there is anything above uh, like 50%, then we have a problem here. And I'm even here, I'm thumb sucking 50% because I don't know what a reasonable number would be for such a, a, a crucial organization and its proximity to the center of power in, in the party and the state. Uh, and that conversation just didn't go deep enough. Important start, but didn't go deep enough. When he comes back as the president of the country and not as the president of uh, the party later on towards the end of the commission, I don't think we'll see anything different. Um, but crucially, what will happen, there will be questions around his involvement uh, in the ESCOM war room um, and, and, and President Jacob Zuma having appointed him um, as, 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 as the member of cabinet to oversee the war room, but also as the member of cabinet to oversee the interministerial task team to rescue some of our state-owned enterprises, ESCOM, SAA, Danel, um, Transnet, and, 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 a bunch, and a bunch of other of them, right? What what were you doing? What was the work that was done? Um, this is the accountability platform um, about wrongdoing as far as criminality and corruption is concerned in the state. But I think because Ramaphosa runs away from the media so much, it becomes an accountability platform for the voter to assess performance, which is itself uh, to many people subjective, right? Um, and we then have to double up this, this the commission as a performance evaluatory platform uh, and not just a criminality, corruption and looting uh, platform. And I think Ramaphosa has the right language 
to navigate that to make it seem like his performance was up to par. And where Ramaphosa fails uh, to justify performance, I've seen in the past, what he tends to do is um, give us a fake, humble, deep, apologetic uh, excuse and say, we are so sorry about that, but don't worry, we're doing it right this time around. And I just don't think that's good enough because there's also very little evidence to any of the doing it right this time that's happening um, at the moment. Um, it has been, uh, it has been what, three years now since um, uh, Sean Abrams had left uh, the National Prosecuting Authority, and we were told that that was the moment things would get right. I mean, in three years and still no high-profile prosecutions haven't taken place. Um, I can't, I, I'm just not convinced that this guy has reconfigured a state organ to be efficient and effective just yet. Um, and, and so I'm not excited for, for that, but I do think uh, if we were to measure, um, uh, you know, popularity ratings in this country by the hour, uh, by the day, by the week, uh, Ramaphosa's would be on the up and will once again be on the up after the commission appearance. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. He's he's a popular president. Uh, his 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 ratings. Uh, we don't have you know very uh, regular trackers, but they're often up in the 60s, which which would be the envy of world leaders um, from many many countries. Um, but he he does also face this um, this problem that he's never really been able to escape which is somehow he's leading the cleanup while not explaining what he did when things got dirty when he was right there you know and um that i suspect will be the tension of this testimony like we had temba maseko on the on this show and i asked him would it be possible to sit in cabinet um from let's say 2014 onwards and not be aware that there was something very serious going on from a corruption on, on a grand scale perspective. And he was like, he was in cabinet, obviously was fired. He said, no, everyone knew, everyone had to know. So I just don't get how President Ramaphosa had his eyes closed and his ears closed at the exact moments when it became obvious in cabinet that state capture was, was a serious problem. There was a moment, um, obviously very memorable, time in South African history where Jacob Zuma then fired Pravin Godan as finance minister, um, appointed um, uh, um, Des Van Rooyen um, and subsequently then later removed Des Van Rooyen. Um, but through that happening, um, the night after, and I, if you would remember, that cabinet reshuffle took place around midnight. Um, very early that morning, media houses um, had an opportunity to spot Ramaphosa and, and asked him what happened. And he said, I don't know. The president didn't discuss this with me. I'm as shocked as you are. Um, and I, you know, I'm waiting for answers too. And, and clearly not in support of the cabinet reshuffle that took place. And then later on that very same day and most of the day thereafter, coming back, to the media and then supporting the cabinet reshuffle saying that it was for the purposes of bringing in youthful young energy and 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 uh, aligning it with the national objectives i'm like what the hell no one even knows what the national objectives are and how the talent you're bringing in relates to that uh, but he then came back and then supported that azuma cabinet reshuffle and so he had to then have been aware of everything else that took place but much like that moment 
had to be a vocal supporter thereof. And he can't now come and tell us that he wasn't in support of some of those key decisions that were being made um, at the time and now sees them as being wrong. Either he's blind um, and does not understand the inner workings of the state, which means we shouldn't have a president like him, or he's not blind and incompetent, but in fact was uh, accomplice to it, in which case we shouldn't have a president like this. Um, and so Ramap, there's no way objectively for Ramaphosa to come out of this in a better position uh, factually, but this is all about optics, right? And the commission is a perfect place for optics through rhetoric and, lexing, and, and waxing lyrical to really bolster his image and make him seem like uh, the cleanup guy um, and not as the guy who was part of the process of, of making the house dirty. Um, and, and, and obviously Ramaphosa is not the only one to answer. Like 40% of people in cabinet today still were part of, in, in Ramaphosa's cabinet, were part of Jacob Zuma's cabinet. They're not all gone. They're all pretty much still there. And if they're not in cabinet, they're in other key positions uh, during the state apparatus. Uh, if, if, if not in parliament, they're sitting in legislative parliaments um, and, and make, still able to make key decisions. Um, and so the cleanup is not real if there isn't a complete washout of the people you thought to be problematic. What Ramaphosa didn't do at the commission the last time around which Zonda asked him and then said to Zonda, don't worry, I'll answer you the next time I come, which is weird. What was to say that I will enumerate and give you a list of the things that we did wrong, uh, but I can't tell you that now. But I will tell you when I do come back. But at the end of when I come back, not at the start of when I come back. And that was also just weird. Um, and so it's not true accountability if you don't name the error, um, the oversight problem and the corruption. Name it, characterize it, describe it and then tell us in your apology what about that you had a role in and what you're apologizing for don't apologize on behalf of people apologize for your own involvement uh, or for your own shortcomings in what had, had, had transpired there and i think if we don't get that from him at the commission the media has to hound him to give that to us um and and has to hound him to take accountability for that because if not then we, we, we are a spectator nation. We are a spectator to um, a politically lead running the country for themselves. And we're just at the mercy of them deciding when and when not to share information with us. Well, uh, Oliver, it's been great to have you on. If you want Oliver back on the channel, please comment down below and, uh, and also tweet Oliver that he should come back on SMWX instead of me getting tweets that I should bring him on SMWX. <laughs> Um, bro, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's been great to have your insights. Thanks for having me, man. Been a fan of the channel since day one. You know, I was part of the first 100 people in the WhatsApp group uh, yes. before it got to 10,000 people. <laughs> um, and I've been a fan ever since. Love the work you guys are doing. Um, this is my second time on the channel. I hope there can be many more. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that, bro. Aye.